that was kind of a different path. And I can remember one time coaching the UC, it was spring, it was like late afternoon, I was southeast Ohio, going from like Athens to Lancaster. Like, what am I doing? You know, I'm tired of falling asleep at the wheel, trying to get to one more school, you know, to see if they got anybody that could play Cincinnati. And uh, I remember, you know, like, where am I going to go? And kind of praying to God, basically, like, just give me some wisdom here. I, for wisdom just to kind of see have a vision you know and, he, and all of a sudden like what's got in my mind I remember like you'll be a head coach in national football this Sunday. where can you turn when you're in pain turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine where more high school college and pro athletes turn where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn where you'll get immediate access to expert orthopedic specialists, physical therapy, and imaging at 15 convenient locations throughout the greater Cincinnati area. When you're in pain, turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. Visit beaconortho.com to schedule your appointment. That's the Beacon difference. Coach Harbaugh, appreciate you taking some time, man, joining us here on the Underdog Podcast. Great to be with you guys, Calvin and Kyle. You know, I'm a couple of Miami guys. Always appreciate and love you. And uh, you do great work with this podcast, so it's, it's an honor to be with you. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, love and honor. Well, I wanted a, a little bit of gratitude for Coach Harbaugh. Um, I was telling Calvin the story and something that you impacted me. Um, I think it's a different side of the human element. Obviously, we get into coaching and some adverse moments in your career that you can share, but um, something I'll, I'll never forget. When I was in Baltimore, uh, I was on, on the field, and I don't know if you remember this either, but uh, we had, we bonded the day before a little bit over staffing. So those that don't know, uh, Steve Bishotti is the owner of Allegis Group and uh, top in the world in our industry. And owner. And owner, yeah. Of the Baltimore and, uh, the Ravens. Owner of the Baltimore Ravens. Thank you, partner. There you go. And, um, you know, just quickly bonded over that. And I was on the field with a couple other guys from Miami, and you came up to me and you said, hey, I'll be right back. I'm going to go find Steve. And I was like, uh, I was like nervous, <laughs> shaking. And unfortunately, we were able to find him. But just the fact that Coach Harbaugh, once again, servant leadership, going out of his way right before the Texans and Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt, I'm looking at these guys on the field. And Coach Harbaugh is out there running around trying to find the owner of the Baltimore Ravens to come talk to me. Right. <laughs> you know, the guy he just met the day before. Um, I just thought that was an epitome of a human being. Uh, it was really humbling for me you know, of anybody, whether if you're the head coach of the Super Bowl champion Baltimore Ravens, or if you're, you know, whatever role you are, you're the janitor, um, you know, just doing things for others. That's something, Coach, uh, I'll, I'll never forget. So thank you for that. That's nice. I, still, I owe you one, man. I got to find him. So we got to get you guys in touch because uh, he's a great leader, man. He loves, he loves talking and mentoring. So we'll figure out a way to do it. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I tell our sales team, I said, I think Coach Harbaugh might know more staffing than you guys. So you guys better. <laughs> I, I came back here and I said, you guys are going to believe this. He knows the staffing business game. Like it's incredible. But once again, you commit to your craft and you're trying to relate and understand, obviously, the success of a business like Allegis Group and how you can work uh, well with with a man like like Steve. And anyway, just really appreciated that. And uh, let's go ahead and kick off and let's get into some underdog moments here. Yep. So, Coach, want to go back um, early on? You 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 have your coaching trajectory. You know, you know, Western Michigan, Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh, Moorhead State, University of Cincinnati, Indiana. You get to the NFL, um, and <clears throat> you're a, you're a special teams coordinator. 
you know, with the with the Eagles and whatnot. And at the time, special teams coordinators are not known to, you know, we're not getting head coach jobs. And so for the average fan, can you take us back to, you know, how the opportunity came about, what your mindset was and what that process was really in those weeks leading up to you getting the opportunity? Sure. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's just kind of interesting the way life is. I, I can, I can remember thinking when I got the job, there was this table, there was this little round table in, 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 in the office that had been there for years. And it was like a little, just a little coffee table circular. And it had, it was wooden and it had these like, just the grain was going out from the middle, just lines from out from the middle somehow. I was, and I looked at that man and I thought, that's so crazy. Cause what hit me was, that's like your life where you, like you said, your trajectory or your, your line or your plan. And what it epitomized for me was like coming out from the center to, to the direction and the path that we take. It's kind of like everybody's in a different path. You know, to me, all, all roads lead, I would say, you know, to God, to our creator, to where our faith is. And then, you know, but we go in different directions. And really, we can plan, we can try to organize, we can try to create, orchestrate all we want. And all those things are very important. But it also says, you know, kind of God laughs at our plans a lot of times. And I don't think you can ever really determine or dictate, you know, what those plans are going to be. So that that was, uh, that was that's something I kind of always believed. And, and it turned out, in my case, kind of to be true. But just going all the way back, you know, to all these places that you're talking about, and I was really fortunate and blessed to grow up as a coach's kid. And uh, our dad was a, a college, a high school coach and a college coach uh, for many, many years. So we grew up around the fields in the locker room, Jim and I. And then Joni was coach's kid, too. She married Tom Freed, who's now the basketball coach of Georgia, crazy enough. So uh, just we're all glutton for punishment, I guess. But, you know, it's just been an awesome, awesome ride. So I got to start. And after that, was kind of, you kind of go where, where, where you get opportunities and try to work hard and do the best work where you find yourself. And um, I can remember Mike Godfrey, who my dad and Mike are first cousins. Mike was the head coach of Pittsburgh. And my dad and he are first cousins. And he became a, a broadcaster, still a great, great friend and mentor today. Uh, he told me, he said, you got to be a quarterback coach. He said, you need to coach quarterbacks. That's how you make it in this profession. That's how you become a head coach. And you, you can be a head coach. I know you can do it. And this is what I want you to do. And so I did not follow that advice. <laughs> I actually went other directions. I just kind of went wherever the, the opportunities took me and the wind blew. And Joe Baldrige called me up in Moorhead and said, you want to coach the secondary? Mike actually told me this. Joe called him and asked. And you'll coach the secondary, be the recruiting coordinator, and and, uh, and be the strength coach. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Which one? All of them, you know. And it was just a great opportunity to do that. And then also ended up coaching the special teams. So. Then went to Cincinnati as a tight end coach, recruiting coordinator, and special teams coach. And then ended up coaching different positions there. So for me, basically, you know, what it was, Calvin, was whatever I was asked to do, I kind of did. You know, and sometimes the head coach would go around the table and he would say, you know, who wants to coach the kickoff team? And, you know, you get crickets. You know, nobody says they want to do it, you know. And I'm like, I'll do it. You know, who wants to coach the punt team? I'll do it, you know. Kind of do whatever, you know. And. And uh, I've been around a few coaches like that. Jerry Rossberg was like that, who was my special teams coordinator and head coach here for many years, the best in the business. And um, that was kind of a different path. And I can remember one time coaching at UC. It was spring. It was like late afternoon. I'm in southeast Ohio, going from like Athens to Lancaster. Like, what am I doing? I'm tired of falling asleep at the wheel, trying to get to one more school, you know, to see if they got anybody that could play at Cincinnati. And uh, 
I remember, you know, like, where am I going to go and kind of praying to God, basically, like, just give me some wisdom here. I prayed for wisdom just to kind of see, have a vision, you know, and he, and all of a sudden, like, what shot in my mind, I remember, like, you'll be a head coach in the National Football League someday. And um, it was like fleeting, you know, and I thought, I, I must have been a dream. I woke up at the wheel immediately, you know. <laughs> And, uh, but, you know, I, just, I didn't even think about that again until until the day you talked about when the Ravens called. So, uh, but you look back on it and basically it was that, you know, just kind of, we all, we all take a different path. And I think you just got to kind of find, just, just find your way where you're at and try to be good where you're doing, be the best you can be at what you're doing, but then see, see where it goes. So we got, like you said, got an opportunity to go to Philadelphia, the special teams were struggling. And I had nine great years coaching special teams there with Ray Rhodes and Andy Reid. We were ranked really highly a lot, thanks to a lot of good players and coaches. And then I uh, became a secondary coach for one year when Andy said, hey, you know, if you want to be a head coach, you probably need to get on defense. I think he thought he'd been defensive coordinator, but it came faster. But all along there, I always, you know, wanted to be a head coach and kind of, you know, made a deal with myself. I, I thought I'd be a head coach by 35, you know, but if it's, if it's not then by 45, I'm going to get out. You know, I'll do something else. I'll I get into your kind of business and make try to make a bunch of money, you know, and get rich. And, um, that was when I was 25. I said that, like maybe when I was driving in the car and it happened. And uh, and uh, so 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 you know, I couldn't get a college job. I mean, interviewed for Cincinnati, interviewed for Syracuse, Boston College, you know, different lot of different jobs, and couldn't really even come close to, to getting hired even as a college coach, as a head coach. And you know, you kind of think I got to the point where I just felt like, you know what? talk to my wife if we're if we're a special teams coach for the rest of our career that would be just fine and that would be okay and uh, we were we were okay with it because it's a great thing and even even when i was in cincinnati my the second year i was there eight years after the seventh year even i decided finally to buy a house we bought a house over by the south high school right backed up right to the football stadium over there and uh and uh because we decided you know what there was this guy named jim kelly senior who was yeah, he's associate athletic director. He's a former coach from Penn's whole career at UC. We love, we love Jim Kelly. And uh, I, I told Ingrid, and we, she goes, you know what, what, you know maybe maybe we because I couldn't get I couldn't get a job at Ohio State, Michigan, nowhere, nowhere, nowhere could ever get a job to move up. Nobody would even return a call. And I thought I was doing a good job. So um, she said, uh, she said, well, you know maybe we're going to be here. I thought, you know, if we're Jim Kelly someday and we're here for the rest of our career, it'd be good. would be awesome. You know, we'd be. We'd be at UC, a great city and great school, and look what they've done since, right? It would be okay. And be darn, we bought the house, and nine months later, Cam Cameron called and said, hey, I want you to come to Indiana. And we're like, whoa, man, the Big Ten. You know, and Cam was a good friend, coached Jim at Michigan. So, so we went to Indiana, and we thought, you know what? We're in the Big Ten now, you know? This is it. This is the pinnacle. If we could stay here, you know, forever, we, 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 this is where we want to be. And then, you know, Nine months after that, the Eagles called. And then we got that after interviewing for that job. And, and it was like, I can't believe we're in the National Football League. And I can remember driving over a bridge from the, the, the airport hotel uh, to the Bet Stadium at 5 o'clock in the morning, pitch black. And if you've ever been to Philadelphia, you'll know it's like Mad Max, okay, and Thunderdome. You can come over this bridge to the left, is the Sunoco oil refinery, all right? And it looks like a scene from Mad Max at night. But then there's this smell that hits you as you drive across. Because underneath the bridge is the, uh, the the waste human waste, you know, with the process. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it's like, where am I? <laughs> then you walk into the bed. I knock on the door. This guy's a good friend of mine, Denny, to this day. He was 
he was where he went security there. He let me in. We walked down, and the, and the lowest point in the in the uh, stadium was where the football coaches' offices were, appropriately enough. And uh, we start walking by, and it's like pitch black because you go down these level, these ramps, because it's all you know, it's a baseball stadium back then. And I see these eyes, these eyes, like staring at me, you know, and him, and they're like four of them, you know, four sets of them on the in the hallway. And I'm like, Kenny, what what are those? He goes, those are the cats. And I'm like, look at some big cats. <laughs> you know, what are they for? I don't like the cats. He goes, you know, you learn to like the cats a lot. Because if you don't like the cats, then you're going to have to learn to like the rats. The rats <laughs> didn't care about the cats. <laughs> like, oh, man, okay, I'm cool with the rats now. So that was like, this is the National Football League. So, I don't know. Fast forward all those years later, then uh, we had a chance to, uh, uh, after the first year of coach working with Jim Johnson and being the second day coach in Philly after 10 years there, uh, the UCLA called and we came within one one interview of getting that job. Matter of fact, it was all the way out there and was, was being offered the job and they said, hold up. We changed their mind. They, they, they decided that they were going to hire, um, they were going to hire, uh, oh man, help me out. The coach that um, uh, was at Washington before that, quarterback coach for the oh, uh, oh, shoot. Why am I drawing a blank? The heck of a coach. Um, he was a UCLA grad, played quarterback at UCLA. Was the coach of Colorado and Washington? Oh, ha- ha- Hawkins? No, Hawkins. Um, anyway, uh, we'll think of it before the podcast. There you go. We'll come back yeah. to it. <laughs> but it was a good hire because he played quarterback at UCLA as a UCLA grad. So I'm like, I get it. You know, it's not going to be a head coach, you know? My brother was getting uh, married uh, two weeks later. And so we were going out there for the wedding and uh, flying through LA back up to San Francisco. And I got a call in the airport. It was from Ozzie Newsom. And Ozzie Newsom says, it's a Friday, and he says, can you interview, would you be interested in the Ravens job? Would you be interested in interviewing? And I was just like, you know, I couldn't say yes fast enough, you know. And, uh, and he said, Monday. I said, well, how about Tuesday? Because we're coming back Monday from this wedding, my brother's wedding. So, yeah, no problem. So that's when the whole process started that Tuesday with that call, you know, two weeks after getting turned out for the UCLA job. And I guess the, the, the point there probably is your point is you just never know you know, when your opportunity is going to come. And, and our, when our opportunities came, Ingrid and I, it was basically mostly when we had resolved that they, it probably wasn't going to happen and we weren't going to make it happen. And we were really happy where we were. And then, like, man, that's kind of the way God works in our life. And that's kind of when the opportunities happen for us. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I hear, you know, it sounds like, you know, just as we've heard from some of our previous guests, you know, be where your butt is, you know, wherever you're working at the time, you know, putting in the time and effort and not looking at the next move, which you hear a lot of coaches say, just where I'm at is where all my time, effort and energy is. And when the opportunities arise, you know, you, you, you pounce on it. And when, it, you know, UCLA didn't happen for, for a reason, it was a blessing in disguise. And here you are, I would, I think your 14th season, you know, with, with Baltimore and the Super Bowl champ. So, you know, kudos to you. And, you know, just that journey is, I think, is what we what we try to talk about here on the Underdog Podcast. Yeah, that's, uh, appreciate the visibility. I, I knew to, uh, to uh, an extent of that, Coach, but I didn't realize some of that adversity along that road. Um, would you credit that? Obviously, you talk a lot in the things I've seen, you know, with, with great parents that you had. And as you mentioned, uh, working for your dad at Western Michigan and growing up in a very competitive household. Would you say those are a lot of the the fundamentals, I guess, or the approach and the morals that you grew up with and the faith that you have got you through that where like 
um, you were able to persevere your time at Miami. What, what would you kind of attribute some of that or any things that anyone can learn how to uh, help help themselves? Yeah, it's a great, great point, Kyle. Like all those things, you know, I mean, in Miami, you know, I went down there with high hopes and ended up not playing hardly at all, you know, and it was really, really, really crushing, you know, and um, so disappointing, you know, and, uh, you know, it just wasn't good enough, it turned out. So that was really hard, you know, but I get great friends and, and feel like they, you know, they were, you know, earned their respect and stuff. But um, so that, that, that kind of teaches us some perseverance a little bit along the way. So that probably maybe happened for a reason other than the fact that it just wasn't very fast. You know, that was the other, you know, <laughs> try to, you got to blame God for that one, I guess, but you get it for a reason, apparently. And, uh, but after that, you know, just what you said, like, so my dad was a coach. So we grew up, we grew up, we grew up living and dying with my dad's team. All right. Whatever team it was, whether he was a head coach, he was, he was later at Western Michigan and Western Kentucky or an assistant like Michigan, Iowa, Bowling Green, Pittsburgh, or high school head coach, whatever. I mean, we were living and dying with that team. It was everything to us. You, you know, you have ownership when your dad's it's your dad's job, right? You kind of connect to it, you know. So it wasn't just a job. And uh, we always knew the players and stuff. So then, you know, dad said that after, after you know, graduating in Miami, he, he, I was, I was going to go to graduate school and I was going to go to law school. That was the plan. And uh, my mom definitely wanted me to go to law school. And she said, well, come up here. We'll go to graduate school. You get a, a, bad, a master's degree and then, Help me, help me coach. You know, just get on the staff and just coach a little bit. By the end of the first season, I had a bunch of great coaches, man. I was like, I loved it. I just loved it. Coach, he let me coach the running backs, which was, I was, you know, I just did what they told me to do. He only had six coaches, so he needed somebody. And uh, obviously, you know, he trusted me, and I listened and, and learned. I thought I knew everything and found out that I didn't know anything, you know. When you're a player, believe me, and you, you know this for sure, guys. Yep. Scott, you, start to know, you think you know everything. And then you start coaching. It's like, man, I don't even know this game at all. And then now, 35 years later, I know that I, I know even less than I thought I did back then. It's just crazy how life goes. But but what, what happened, my point is, is that when your dad's the head coach, you have ownership. I mean, all you want to do, you live and die for the success of the program. And a lot of times I hear in coaching, like coaches will get the advice or give the advice, you got to keep moving and move up. You try to get a new job every year, every two years. That's how you move up. It's like, well, there is some truth to that probably, but in my opinion, that wasn't my path. You know, to me, it's like, you want to take ownership in that thing. You want to, you want, I, I always felt like whatever job it was, whether it was Western Michigan or Pitt, when I was a, he let me, Mike allowed me to see Cleveland or Moorhead or Cincinnati, ended up staying at Cincinnati for eight years and in the Eagles for 10 years. It's like, I felt like the success and failure of the program changed directly on my efforts. I mean, it wasn't the case. But in my mind, it was. In my mind, it was like I was going to be the key to the whole thing. I mean, I was the whole key. I had to recruit. If I recruited well, we could win. You know, if our, if our special teams, our secondary played well, we're going to win, man. It was all on me, you know. Just felt that way. And you knew you were in a team effort, but it wasn't like I wasn't thinking, was not thinking, Calvin, about the next job. I, I, was, I would wonder if I was going to get a shot. I'd be hopeful that somebody would call. But I was never on the phone making calls, trying to network. And like, even to this day, when I get a bunch of calls or I get the guys that send me the resumes, I appreciate knowing who they are. But when I hear from them every two months, I'm like, in my mind, this guy's not doing his job. He's more worried about getting the job here. You know, I want guys who are doing great where they're at, to your point, you know, and who, who take ownership, 100% ownership, up, down, sideways, and doing their job great. And they believe that the company's success and failure hinges and fail, hinges on, you know, their success and failure and how they do. So that's the kind of coaches that I try to hire now. And to me, that's, uh, 
it turned out that that was the right way to look at it. Oh, that's great. And so you grind from 84 basically to, I know you're still grinding now, but to 2008, you get the head job. So just transition. So we're talking about the perseverance and the adversity you had faced and keep, you know, making that step. But like you said, being where your butt is at the time. Now, being a head coach at the very difficult industry, uh, talk about uh, not staffing. You know, I would say NFL coaching is 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 the, probably one of the hardest to retain and sustain excellence, and you've done just that, being a head coach of a you know top program in the NFL. Um, how can you, someone that's listening, you get to that job that you want, and then how do you sustain for a long period of time? Yeah, I mean, that's a really complex question, you know, and I mean, the first thing I think that starts with, you know, you do have to be yourself and kind of do it your way. I've seen so many coaches that try to go and emulate, you know, the coach that they were with. You know, like my dad used to say, a lot of coaches, they'd go off with both staff and they'd try to be Bo Schimbecker. You know, there's only one Bo Schimbecker. There's only one Jack Harbaugh. There's only one Andy Reid or Bill Belichick or whatever. You can't try to be somebody else. You have to be yourself, but you apply, you know, the principles and the strategies for sure. But you better, man, you got you to be true to who you are. So that starts with that for sure. And then after that, the thing I loved about coaching was that, like, it was such a diverse job. Like, you got to be involved in so many things. You know, football's like that. Like, I mean, the game itself is complicated. It's 22 players with different techniques and different, different plays you can run, different ways to teach things, different reactions. You guys know that from playing. And then there's personalities. There's the psychology of it. And in colleges, recruiting, and you get to know the families and the parents and there's academics. In the pros, there's a relationship. You know, you got players who are parents themselves and, you know, the relationships and the friendships that you build, but also the scouting and then all the people in the building that you're dealing with, whether it's, the, you know, it's the people who clean the building, who cook the food, who do the scouting, who all the way up to the owner. I mean, it's a circle, right? And you're dealing with everybody in every direction. And the thing I love about this job is it's like through the course of the day, there's so much. I'm doing this for you guys, okay? For this period of time, this is crazy. I'm loving every second of it. And then we're going to get right back into this meeting that was in this morning. We're talking about our passing offense and how we're building our passing offense. So you get to do many different things all the time, every day throughout the course of the year. And then you get to walk on the field, you know, and stand on the sideline with your brothers in a highly competitive environment in the National Football League. Or if it's a high school coach on Friday night, I mean, whatever it might be, or coaching. I get to, I see my daughter, my the nine year old coach. When she was a lacrosse player, how much fun they had. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like I think when you take over a job, you got to embrace every element and every aspect of it. And I would say to like coaches, or maybe if it's a CEO, you're going to definitely be in your area. Like if you're a if you're a marketing guy, I'm sure you're going to be very involved in marketing. But but you got to be the CEO. So for me, you know, I don't need to be the special teams coach or the secondary coach. Although I take great interest in those areas, I got to be the head coach of the whole team. I'm not. You know, there's no. There's no offensive head coach here or defensive head coach. There's one head coach, and everybody else has their role. And, they're, and, and all, everybody's a leader. The players are leaders. You know, everybody's a leader in their own area. Um, so, so like the thing I would just kind of finish with is like when you do that, then you're involved in every aspect of it. And you've got to be able to build systems and put operate operating um, methods in place that people can people can believe in. They're a part of. They can make better. They can grow. Um, even even to the reward system and how you compensate people. You know, you want it to be fair. You want it to motivate people. Um, you want people to be excited about coming to work. You want to have principles and standards that people can live up to to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Create an environment, culture. I would say, you know, culture is always 
tough word for me, but you know, it's basically a, a shared belief system, a shared understanding, a, a, a worldview, you know, of how we look at things here and what we what we believe in, that people can go, man, I want to be a part of that. And people that, you know, there's some people that don't, you know, they end up standing out, you know, it's okay, it's cool, it's not for you, you know, because this, this is who we are and what we're about. You got to be very clear about that and build that, you know, how you want to go. And, but it's not just you doing it. You got to do it in conjunction with your, your family, which is everybody, because it's a reflection of us, the reflection of we, not, you know, me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the same. And that's, that's, well, we appreciate a broad topic, but that's how you're Yeah, here. sorry. That, that was a, that was a, I appreciate the, the answer there. And, I'll have to send Lamar Jackson a, a thank you note because we pulled Coach Harbaugh out of the offensive meeting. <laughs> I, I don't know if the, the podcast would ever get to this level, but hey, we're, we'll take it. We'll we just, appreciate Maybe we'll just play the podcast episode <laughs> right. in the meeting. And yeah. He, he can learn from that. Well, good. Well, we uh, we finish uh, with a few rapid fires here. I know uh, we're coming to a close. Um, I, we, we had a few here that we thought would pre- be pretty funny here to show, show a different light. So, Jim kills almost John or almost. Can you explain quickly that story of how your brother in the ocean, uh, almost, we almost lost you. It sounds like. Yeah, that was payback uh, for a lot of years. I mean, you know, I was older, but he was, he was a great athlete. He'd catch up with me. We had a great rivalry, but he took us on vacation one summer for the 4th of July at the Mary Island in Jacksonville. Really one of the first vacations we ever had as a family. We just couldn't do that growing up too much, but we were all there and we got to playing around the beach and the waves and his son Jay was out there and, we got to wrestling, and you know he threw a single leg on me in, the, in about four, three, four feet of water. I, I, I sprawled, cross, cross faced him right to his nose, hard as I could. He, he was strong. He sunk it, picked me up, slammed me right to the ground in the sand, man, down under the water, knocked my breath out, and uh, you know it's dark and everything. And I'm thinking he's gonna, you know, I'm thinking I, I gotta, I need some air. I need some air at this point, you know. And it keeps me down there, holds me down, holds me down. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, he doesn't realize I lost my breath. You know, you can think of a lot of things in a millisecond. And, uh, and I think, you know, he, you know, Jim, Jim is, Jim's an intense guy. He's the biggest, best competitor I know. I just thought he was going to get carried away. And uh, he's going to forget that, you know, I, I needed to breathe. And he's going <laughs> to leave me down there, you know, and I would be dead. Uh, but then he finally let me up. And by the time I caught my breath, you know, uh, you know, he's now he's big. He's like almost six four. He's about two hundred and forty pounds at that time. He's playing quarterback for the Bears, and uh, I don't know, maybe two thirty. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but he's a big, strong guy. And uh, and he you know, kind of looks at me and shakes my hand. It's kind of a look that says, uh, "All right, are we swearing on?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. What can I say? You know, I couldn't say anything. So yeah. And then- then you got him back with the Super Bowl. So you mano a mano. He got you in the beach, but you got him in the Super Bowl. That's fantastic. Um, let's see here. We got another one here. The uh, Andy Reid mustache twitch. So I know he doesn't show a lot of motions, but I guess you said something I heard about the when he is angry. He's got a little twitch in the in the mustache. Is that is that true? He gets Andy, Andy had great things. I, I Andy never he had a thing behind his desk that don't judge. I love that. You know, obviously biblical. Reference. It's a great way to approach people every single day. You know, don't, don't come from that perspective. And yeah, I, I call it the non-confrontational confrontation. He'd be able to confront things. You know, he never said this. I've said this since. But you confront, you confront everything, not anybody. I kind of took that from Andy. He would confront issues, not people. But uh, man, he, he'd get mad at you. Like one time, we didn't have the kicker out there on the field, 
back in 1999 on a, on a field goal. That was a problem. But he kind of gives you this look like, you know, just like, what is he thinking? And he doesn't, bet- nothing betrays anything. He's got that face. You've seen it on TV. Yeah. The mustache kind of goes this way. When the mustache twitches, man, you know. But my daughter got even with him one time, and she was about, I don't know, seven, eight months old. Uh, We brought her by the office, Allison, and he held her. And she was fixated on that red mustache. And so she's looking at it, looking at it, and he's he's talking to her. And right away, she reaches out just as quick as lightning and grabs that mustache. (laughs) She's like, ah, ah. I have a couple more, but I do want to ask real quick, and you don't have to go too much into it. But did you ever ask Coach Reed about the uh, the punt, pass, and kick video of him? <laughs> like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. They said they had to give they got him a real Rams uniform from the equipment room because he cannot. He's twelve years old. And he fit into an NFL uniform. You've seen the picture, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen the videos. It's I was, incredible. I was watching it live when they showed it, and I think it might have been like. Phil Sims or someone was commentating the game, and I haven't laughed that hard like watching something on football in a long time. And I, I remember just pulling over people. I was like, "Have you seen how big Andy Reid was at age twelve with this punt pass?" And then he launches the ball like oh, like fifty yards. yards. Yeah, like dude, that, this guy's <laughs> insane. <laughs> so that's well, awesome. Can say that was the highlight of his athletic career. <laughs> <laughs> we got two more. Yeah, no doubt. We got two more for you, um, Calvin. Go ahead. Um, so this one, or actually a Miami one, we got to incorporate this Miami one. First day priorities. I don't know if you can say that. We got a lot of Miami listeners. My, those that don't know, we do have a, a wide audience, I think, but Miami of Ohio, we always have to clarify. You said not wide, not white. What's that? Yeah. Wide. Wide. Okay. Yes. okay. <laughs> so, so with being Miami, I think this is a great story. You showed up and a coach talked to you about priorities between school for academics and playing. Can you go into that real quick? Well, in all honesty, it was Sid Gilman who, who did me this. Okay. So, oh wow. Okay. Um, yeah, Sid Gilman. You know, you remember? You all know who Sid Gilman was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Father of the modern passing attack. And when I was a kid as a DA coaching tight end, Sid was with us the whole year. He took me under his wing and taught me about passing and how to basically how to teach and coach. It was like you talk about you talk about oh my god. Okay, master's degree, doctor's degree in coaching. But he he said he goes always get his voice. He goes, Make sure the players always remember this job. And he looked at me and he said, it's academic number one. Football number two. <laughs> for those of you who are not watching, when we say academic number one, he held up two fingers. He said football number two, he held up one finger. So <laughs> it's important to keep the priorities in order. And uh, yeah, so I wouldn't I wouldn't share that with the Miami players. Maybe I would, you know what I mean? But it's all, it's all important, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's great. All right, a couple more, then we'll we'll go ahead and wrap real quick. Um, I know you're the you're a proud girl dad. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what that means to you? Yeah, that still means everything. You know, Allison's our only. You know, and uh, and uh, God works that how He wanted. We we thought we'd have four or five kids, and we ended up having Allison. You know, and you, you find out, gosh, how do you, you can't even? I didn't know I could love somebody so much. You know, and she's just an unbelievably great person and playing. Going to school at Notre Dame, she's a freshman now playing lacrosse there. And I'm just so proud of her. But what does it mean? I mean, you know, for, for, for you guys, I don't know, do you have daughters? I mean, yeah, I have a five year old daughter. He's got one on the way. Yeah, June, I'll have my, uh, I have two sons and I have a daughter on the way, coach. I don't know what it's like to have a son, but I know when that little girl was born, it changed everything for me. 
it changed how I viewed myself, how I viewed girls for sure. Um, you know, my responsibilities is like, man, this this girl just I I now I I grew up finally. And I was I was like we had her late. I was you know, like thirty. I think I was 38 years old when we finally had her, you know. So it was just like, man, this is uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult now, you know. And then you have a little girl, and you, you know, she, she's got her buddies around. And I always joke with my wife and her. They'll start talking, and I'll say, "Can I get in this conversation? We have some girl talk here. I want to, I want to have some girl talk here. What are we talking about?" <laughs> you know, they laugh at me, and then they ignore me, you know. But uh, yeah, it's the best, best blessing ever. Yeah, well, I can't wait to join both you guys in June. And um, the last question we always say is, "What is a guest?" And you should. I ask. This is usually Calvin, but since you, you, would you like me to ask? Yeah, you, no, I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm, I'm okay. Gonna, don't, I'm don't butcher take it this time. We got to get him back to the meeting. So the one thing, yeah, the one thing you have to to do is help us get this guest. So before you answer the question, think about that. Um, what is one guest we should have on the Underdog Podcast that you can help us make happen? Or maybe he meant who or who. I'll give you two guests. I mean. You should have Jack and Jim Harbaugh on there. And I might be able to help you do that. But those two guys uh, are hilarious together. And uh, Jack is the greatest storyteller ever. And he's got great stories, the greatest motivator ever. And uh, Jim is just Jim. You know, Jim is just the funnest guy to be around and uh, and to talk to. So, yeah, I would, I'd probably shoot for those two guys. But maybe, I know we can pull it off of Jack. We should be able to pull off of Jim for a Michigan fan. You know what I'm saying? We, Calvin, we should be able to reach that down in Ohio. Coach, I've, I've reached out to uh, – I had a friend who worked in the athletic department up there. She's since moved on. But obviously I've tried to reach out to the SID and whatnot. And, and, you know, it's 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 tough. But if anybody could make it happen, and I think his brother could, the one that, you know, got taken down in the water but 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 made it back. So, yeah. I'll just man, send him that clip and say, yeah, hey. If you could make that Jim, happen, that would be a Jim, you almost killed true. your brother. You know, Jim, John likes us. So. I don't need tickets. I just would love to have a conversation with your brother. It would be awesome. You could get his side of the story on the attempt to drown. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, no thank doubt. you so much. We'll let you get back to your meetings. But uh, thanks again for everything. Thanks for making an impact on my life. Like I said, that visit definitely inspired me to – to uh, be a better servant leader, uh, go out of my way for others and really help e- help others, man. It really did impact me. So thank you so much again. And one other thing, um, close longtime high school teammate of mine, longtime friend, Brandon McKinney, talked to him yesterday, tried to get some nuggets from him about you, but he didn't give me any, but he did tell me to tell you hello. So. <laughs> That's good. But so we, yeah, we scored a silence. We scored a silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mr. Raven, always a Raven. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There you go. So. All right, Coach. Well, I pr- we appreciate you. Appreciate you guys too. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. All right, Coach. Thank you. Have a good one.